you would be amazed and surprised at what you can accomplish if you make the decision to start and you set your mind to completing that particular goal. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Heath Jones. How you doing, Heath? I am doing fabulous. Thanks for asking. Well, my pleasure. And I'm so glad that you're doing fabulous. A little bit about Heath. He's a neuroscientist for the U.S. Army. He started investing in February 2019 when he bought a fourplex. And now he has five properties, a four-unit, 16-unit, and three rental single-family homes. He's located in Enterprise, Alabama. With that being said, Heath, you want to give the best of your listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes. So my day job is helping to protect hearing of soldiers by doing research and experiments to tease apart things that may be contributing to hearing loss and finding ways to reduce that. I started investing in real estate because at one point I was a contractor for the DOD and then I transitioned to a more permanent role 
with the federal government. And that came with a decrease in annual salary, but loads of benefits. But that crunch month to month was definitely going to be a big chunk. So my wife and I had started talking about ways of increasing our monthly income. And so started doing research and came across real estate as a potential option. And that really spoke to me because I don't understand stocks and bonds and it's all matrix code to me, right? On a ticker tape. Mm -hmm. But I do understand going to a property, seeing a building and then cashing a rent check each month. So that really spoke to me. So we started looking at getting a rental property. This was Thanksgiving of 2018. We were talking to some friends who had done this one single family a year for like 10 years, and they had a 10-home portfolio. We're like, oh, that seems like a good idea. Why don't we do that? So we started to look at property. So that was Thanksgiving 2018. I'm from Texas originally. We go home for Christmas. We're driving back to Alabama. We're like, all right, one property a year, five years, we're going to do it. When we got back, we started looking at single-family homes and trying to run the numbers and find a way to make the deals work. But all of our analysis, the best we could squeeze out of a place was maybe $200 extra a month. I was like, man, that's a lot of upfront capital to put into a place to just make $200 extra a month. I was like, why don't we try to look at multifamily? So we started looking at four units, how much they were going for. There weren't any on the market at that time. And as soon as the first one came up, it was a triplex. We ran the numbers. It worked. We put in an offer, but we didn't get that one. Luckily, it was actually overpriced, as we <laughs> learned later. Then we did the four unit. It came on the market at 3 p.m. We had an offer to the selling agent by 5.30 that day and had it under contract by the next morning. And after that, I was looking for other properties that were multifamily. Found the 16 unit, and I showed my wife. And she's like, oh, that's a good five-year goal. You know, How like soon after that? Oh, I actually had the 16 unit under contract before we closed the four unit. Wow. Okay. Please continue. So I kept telling her we could do it. And at that time I was listening to your podcast. I was listening to Michael Blanc. I was watching the Matt Faircloth videos on YouTube, the DeRosa mm -hmm. group. So from what I was researching, from the things I was reading, the content I was consuming, it seemed very possible to me for us to acquire that 16 unit. I just had to get my wife on board. So the strategy I used was I started watching the videos while we were laying in bed together, just loud enough for her to hear. <laughs> so I'd be listening to something and she's like, hey, they just said X, Y, and Z. What do they mean by that? So I'd pause the video and I'd start talking to her about it. And she was like, well, if you actually make the 16 unit happen, I'll be all in with you. So worked hard. I had to raise about 120K because all of our money was tied up in the four unit. So I did research about setting up a PPM and getting investors. And it seemed like it was going to cost $15,000 to have lawyers draft up a private placement memorandum. So what I ended up doing was going to friends and family members and saying, hey, I'm starting a real estate business. And this was primed. So over the course of several weeks, I would mention that I was doing real estate. Oh, we got this four unit under contract. We're looking at multifamily. So I had prepped my family to know that I was doing this. And then at one point I was like, hey, I was wondering if I could set up a personal loan in which I would guarantee you for all my loans, it was 5%. <laughs> I was like, it's not as good as you can be new in other places, but we'll keep the money 
in the family instead of going to some hard money lender, because I told him, I'm going to make this happen with your help or not. I just want to get this first big property acquired. Mm -hmm. So I set up personal notes with all of them. So I have little loans for the down payment, which we've been paying off over this first year of owning it. So how much in total were the loans? 120,000. Okay. So that was the equity. That's correct. Okay. So you still got another loan on the actual 16 unit. Right. I have it on a seller financed note. So I negotiated with the seller to do seller financing for 5.5% with a five-year term. So a balloon payment at the end of five years. But we also wrote into the contract that I could get an extension if I needed to for a rate of no less than 6%. So by the time the fifth year comes up, I'll have to either refinance or exercise that extension. But the, the property needed some work. I've done a lot of work to it to begin with and hopefully getting the rents up. Got a lot of bad apples out that weren't paying rents. That was one of the first lessons I learned was the difference between economic occupancy and actual occupancy. Mm-hmm. So they were full but there were three people that hadn't paid rent in two or three months. And I kind of inherited those headaches, but got it all turned around and rock and solid now. Well, let's talk about that. You said the seller financing note after five years is no less than 6%. Is there a cap? The language actually states that it will be whatever the market rates are. I wish it would have just stayed like that because then I just refinanced with all the rates now. But I think at the same time, they didn't want it to be lower than the 5.5 or 6. So Mm -hmm. the way it's structured is that if the rates jump up to 6.2, 6.3 or something like that, I think that's what it would cap at, whatever the market average is. But if the market average is lower than 6, then because I'm asking for a five-year extension, then that's kind of what I'll have to pay to keep the note with Oh, it would be an additional five years? Yes. So in total, it could be 10 years. That is correct. Wow. Okay. And I was wondering about the 5% loan on the equity, what lender would allow you to borrow money like that for the equity, but mystery solved. It's a seller finance. Correct. Right. So typically most lenders, they won't carry the first if you're carrying a second note. So that was alleviated by the fact that I'm financing the property through the seller themselves. Okay. And as far as having the conversation with the seller about seller financing, was that your idea or his or her idea? That was my idea. So the way I went about it, I actually found this deal on LoopNet. And this was just getting started. You just use the resources that you have available. You don't have any connections. There's not really anybody at my local real estate meetup who are doing multifamily. All the agents here are mostly single family homes. So they might sell some four units or they might try to sell a 16 unit, but they don't really know exactly the ins and outs for the transactions of this size. So I found it on LoopNet. What I ended up doing is I didn't want to go through the broker that was listed there because I knew that was going to be a large amount of money for the seller. So I actually went to the county records and I found out who owned the building and then they had an LLC listed. I looked up the LLC and of course there was a number online. I called and spoke with the secretary of the owner, told him I was interested. 
I got a call back maybe 20 minutes later from a broker friend of the seller who we were then talking and I was like, Hey, so would you be okay with seller financing? And they said, we would have to discuss it. We need to meet you. We like that you're local in the area and that you're there. They said they had gotten eight or nine LOIs on the property, letters of intent on the property. But whenever I sent them mine, they knew that I was going to be their guy because I not only included in my letter of intent the terms that I was looking for, but I also included amortization schedule, what it would look like, how much they would make in interest payments over five years, how that added to the balloon at year five and got them close to what they were asking for. So they were asking 635 for it. And I had evaluated it based on what I thought the cap rate was for this area to be, what, what did I say? It was 485 and I told them I would give them 500K for it. Mm-hmm. And we met at the middle at 560. Then after the due diligence process, there were some things like the insulation needed to be brought up to code, little things like that, that kind of added up. So I was able to negotiate another 20,000 off the price. So all in all got it for 540 with the 120 down payment seller financed for 30 year amortization at 5.5% with a five year balloon and the extension. Bravo on navigating that. That is not a cookie cutter deal, especially as your largest one. Well, I have to say, I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for your podcast, your YouTube videos, Michael Blanc and Matt Faircloth. The information that I got from reading your guys' articles and watching the information you're providing, I don't know if I could have navigated it as easily. So I am just so grateful that you guys have been doing what you're doing. And to be a part of it today, it feels pretty amazing. So I, I thank you again for having me on. Well, it's one thing to listen and to read. It's another to put into practice and you put it into practice. Let's talk about challenges that have come up on the 16 unit since you've taken over. How long ago did you close on the 16 unit? We closed on April 4th, 2019. Okay. So what are some challenges that you've come across? A couple of the challenges is finding contractors to do work that you need done and having them be reliable and not overcharge you because they know when you do find contractors, he'll show up consistently, them pricing it up a little bit more because they know they're consistently showing up. Mm -hmm. They get the job done. I'm a little OCD, I have to say. So there's a lot of times where I'm watching them do the job or I come and look and I'm not really as happy with the work, but they did meet the statement of work, what I asked for. Another challenge was since I was self-managing, I did everything by myself. I do have to say my wife was one of the big reasons we got the extra $20,000 reduced. She is a negotiation master and helped guide me on that side of things. So I couldn't have done it without her. But I was the one who was going to the property and knocking on the doors and asking people to pay rent. And that's not really what I was used to, but I wanted to take the first year to understand how to property manage. I wanted to learn what I could ask a property manager to do if I was to invest in a property that's far away or out of state. I wanted to see what it would take to actually try to increase rents. 
more specifically, I also wanted to know if they were going to be taking me to the cleaners for flooring and paint jobs. So I now have a better sense of how much things cost. But the challenge was getting the bad apples out, trying to do things without evictions. I didn't have to do cash for keys, luckily, but eventually the persistence of asking for the rent, remaining in constant contact with the bad apples kind of made them know that the management was different and that the notice to quits, we were about to take action. So they ended up moving out anyway. So now I'm screening a lot more stringent than the previous property management company. So my tenants are good paying rent on time. So just interacting with the tenants was something that I hadn't thought about while I was filling out my Excel sheets and <laughs> making phone calls and things like that. So that was a challenge for me that I had to get past. Now, I mean, I still have a 20 year experience as a property manager, and I do have to say for the good property managers out there, they deserve a lot of credit. They do a thankless job sometimes, and they are making their share for doing that job, but I got a lot of props out to the good property managers that are out there. Here's a hypothetical scenario. Tomorrow, you come across a 16 unit in a similar area. What are a couple things that you might do differently on this next approach, whether it's on the negotiation side, the term side, the execution side, budgeting side, what are a couple things you would do differently? The one thing that I would do differently is I would also build up a capital expenditures reserve account. My number one goal was first, get the down payment. At any cost, I need to get the down payment to close this deal. So that was the watermark on the wall that I was trying to hit. So with that being said, since I knew that trying to raise additional money for any of the fixes, what I ended up doing was I also asked the seller and I negotiated it to have deferred payments for the first three months. So what I was anticipating was that for the issues that I knew about, I would need X amount and the gross income at that time would cover most of those. So I was going to pay for the repairs out of those first three months of the rental income. And of course, you always have more repairs than you anticipate. And you always have more issues that come up that cost more than you thought. So the one thing that I would do differently is to build in a bigger budget or raise more money for the capital expenditure budget and reserves. Or at that time, I hadn't really come across interest-only payments. So deferred was kind of the strategy I employed, but I might defer payments for a little bit longer, or I might ask for interest-only payments during the first year while I fix everything and get the bad apples turned. How much would you build into the CapEx reserve account for that hypothetical 16-unit Oh man, I would feel comfortable. And this is assuming that you don't have to replace roofs or HVACs or anything like that. Well, I would feel more comfortable if I had maybe twenty to $30,000 in a reserve that I could deploy if an HVAC went down for some reason, the roof started leaking and insurance wouldn't cover it. 
turning the carpets. So what I'm trying to do as well is I'm trying to move away from having carpets in the unit. So I'm trying to put in LVP that is sectioned. So if there is some damage, I can just remove a particular panel and then not have to redo the whole floors. So that is running anywhere, depending on if I also have to do the carpets upstairs, which I want to do LVP upstairs as well. Between two and three grand for the apartments right now and painting as well. Painting costs a lot more than I thought it did. And it's either going to cost you in sweat and agony (laughs) if you're doing it yourself, or it's going to cost you to have someone go do it for you. So mm-hmm. I guess a little long-winded response to why I would want to keep at least 20 or 30 grand for the 16 unit in reserves and then keep replacing that whenever I don't have any issues. That way it's still there in case I need it. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh man, start now. <laughs> it's never too late to start and there's no real good reasons not to start. Just excuses, right? So Everybody I've read or watched or talked to, they all say the same thing. They all say, I wish I would have started sooner. You would be amazed and surprised at what you can accomplish if you make the decision to start and you set your mind to completing that particular goal. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right. First quick word from our best ever partner. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com. What's the best ever book you've recently read? I've read a lot of real estate, but just getting close to finishing has crucial conversations. Love that book. What's the best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal I've done is the 16 unit. I got it for a really good price and a lot of favorable terms and the way I financed it. And best ever way you like to give back to the community? Oh, man. I have a five-year-old and three-year-old, so my daughter is in Girl Scouts. So we give back to the community through Girl Scouts in that way. So they just finished doing all their cookie sales, and uh, we're still dropping off cookies at places. So helping the community through her Girl Scouts. I'm a former Eagle Scout, so that kind of fits the way I have done things in the past. So that's how I like to give back. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? You can find our Facebook group, the Multifamily Real Estate Experiment Facebook group. My partner, Hutch, the Marine Investor, and I, we started that Facebook group. We have a a podcast with the same name. You can find us there. You can also email me at heath at hsquaredcapital.com. You can also go to our website, www.h, the word spelled out, squaredcapital.com. And I'm on bigger pockets. I actually took your advice from the best ever conference this year, and I've started going in and posting and trying to answer questions that I might have some information about or try to start discussions. So I'm on bigger pockets more. I'm also on LinkedIn. So any type of way, feel free to connect. I'm more than happy to talk real estate, talk strategies, just here to help other people 
improve their lives as well through real estate or any other means. That 16 unit is just a spectacular case study for how to manufacture a deal. You found it on LootNet. You have seller financing. You got creative with how to get the down payment with the promissory notes. And then you were not the only LOI in the game. According to the seller's broker, there are about eight or nine LOIs, but you put the amortization schedule in there and you were very detailed. And should you come across a similar opportunity, a couple things that you would do differently is, in addition to deferred payments, have interest-only payments for X period of time, as well as build up a CapEx reserve account and bring that to the deal, about twenty to $30,000. Thank you for being on the show. Enjoyed it. Hope you have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me again.